Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Well, we are finishing up our series, Spiritual Fitness, and uh, the Lord took me in a little bit of a different direction. Let me just give you our base text, and then I'll explain what I'm talking about. First Timothy 4, 7, and 8 says, "...have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness." And as I said, the train, the word train there means gymnazo. It's where we get our word gymnasium from. And uh, so uh, Paul goes on to say, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds to the promise for the present life and the life to come. So there are, there are certain ways in which you and I can train our souls for godliness. There are things in the Bible, there are principles, you might call them habits or disciplines that when applied to our lives, open us up and prepare us and put us in a place where God can begin to move in our lives, where we can grow spiritually, grow mature spiritually. So today, I want to just encourage a habit that uh, particularly we find in the Old Testament, uh, but it's actually throughout the Bible, and, it, and it's something that, that has the potential, and, and I found in my own life as well, it, it, has, it makes a huge difference in your life spiritually. What, what am I talking about? Well, today I want to look at the importance of building altars. I want to talk about the importance of the altar. And, and I think that, that over the years, uh, the idea of, of taking time to come to the altar has kind of lost a little bit of something. And yet when I look back at my own spiritual journey of my own life, the times at the altar made an extremely important impact in my life spiritually. There were, there were moments in my life. You see, historically, when you think about an altar, you might think of a structure where people are making uh, sacrifices to a particular god, maybe little g god, such as an animal or a person in, in some cultures. The Hebrew word for altar is mizbiah, which means to slaughter, and the Greek, I can't even pronounce it, means a place of sacrifice. And so oftentimes when you think of altar, maybe you're thinking of a place where a sacrifice is made, an animal sacrifice or something like that is made. Now, building an altar today doesn't necessarily mean bringing uh, actual wood and stones and, and constructing something physical. It's more about carving out space and time where we can come and allow God to move and do something in our lives. That's what we're talking about. And in fact, in Hebrew or Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, Paul writes that, that in view of God's mercy, we're called to present ourselves as living sacrifices to the Lord living sacrifices to the Lord. What it means for us is not necessarily the sacrifice of animals or even the sacrifice of people. If we did that, that'd be kind of weird and we'd, we'd probably, you know, have charges against us or something, right? It's not something like that. Jesus was that final sacrifice, right? When it comes to physical sacrifice, Jesus on the cross represented that full and final sacrifice. He was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. However, building an altar uh, does mean that there is some things that we have to give up. 
there is a part of it that, that is involved in or that is a part of sacrifice. It means that we create space in our hearts for the presence of God to resign. Let me just put it like this. When your life is altered, you need to build an altar. When your life is altered, you need to build an altar. I don't know if you realize this, but the word altar appears 384 times when you, when you look at the New International Version, 384 times in the Bible, 361 in the Old Testament, 23 in the New Testament, and altars were significant and central to honoring God. They were a part of honoring God. They were places, as I've mentioned, of making sacrifices, presenting offerings, commemorating festivals, establishing covenants, and they represent not only a sacrifice, but worship and divine intervention leading to transformation. Leading to transformation. Stories of Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and, and others capture the idea uh, of both sacrifice and the transformative dynamics that are involved in building an altar, in an altar experience. You see, at the altar, earthly beings connect with the God of the universe, and we see that theme continuing on through the New Testament and even into the book of Revelation. This past week, we had a chance to, as pastors to go away to a, uh, what's called minister's retreat. And while we were there, one of the speakers read from Revelation chapter 8, and I was reminded uh, of an altar, the golden altar that is there in heaven before the throne of God, where the, the prayers and intercessions of the people are there being offered to God. Look at Revelation 8, 3 and 4. Then another angel with the gold incense burner came and stood at the altar, and a great amount of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people as an offering on the golden altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's holy people ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had put them out. See, the altar is not just something that was significant in the Old Testament, but as we build an altar and as we take time to pray, literally those prayers are before God as an incense being offered to Him. The prayers that you pray, the interceding that you do does not go unnoticed. It is before God's throne and offered at the golden altar. Oh, come on, somebody. God hears us when we pray. My prayer is that this generation, their prayers and their praise would be poured out in, in corporate and private moments of deep intercession would rise before the very throne of God. Altars represent occasions and places where people have personal encounters with God. Personal encounters, people who are desperate for a sacred place of love and truth and grace and mercy where a sinner is changed into a saint, where sorrow is turned into joy and mourning is turned into dancing and ashes into beauty. That's what happens at the altar. In my journey, as I was wanting to share earlier as a follower of Jesus Christ, one of my first moments that I remember of an altar was not in a church, but it was in the living room of our home. When following a Billy Graham crusade at five years of age, I said to my mom, Mommy, how can I be saved? 
And she began to talk with me about Jesus and led me off the couch onto our knees on our living room floor where we build an altar. And she led me into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that I have never turned my back on since. We build an altar. And I remember that moment. And there are significant moments in my life where God began to tug on my heart times where I had gotten a little bit away from the Lord and had to come and spend time at an altar allowing God to bring me back to His presence. Times where where I remember at camps and retreats where I was at an altar and it was at an altar where I was baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. It was at an altar where I was called into ministry. I know where I was at Big Prairie Camp on those steps on the side. I know where I was where I met with God and tears streaming down my face. A transformative moment where I knew I was called by the Lord. It happened at the altar. Friends, we miss something when we neglect taking time to spend and cry out to the Lord at an altar. When we build an altar to the Lord, you see it is often at the altar where our lives are altered. (laughs) So today I want to look at the life of Abraham. And, And in Abraham's life, throughout his journey, there were four significant times in his life four representations, four altars that I see that that Abraham built that I think apply to our lives today. The story begins in Genesis chapter 12. You may recall that Abraham was living in the land of Ur of the Chaldeans when God began to speak with him and told him that he had a promise for him. There was a place he wanted him to go, a land that he was going to provide and give to him and his family. But Abraham had to give up everything. He had to sacrifice. He had to leave his family that he knew. He had to leave the familiarity of the place and his heritage where he came from. And he had to journey even to a land that he did not know where he was going, Hebrews chapter 11 says. And he had to embark on that journey, but it begins with a promise, and Abraham leaves on a promise, and then in Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 6, we see the first altar that Abraham built. It says this, Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. In response to God appearing to him, Abraham builds an altar. And so the first altar that I want to highlight today is what I call the altar of awakening. It's the time when when Abraham had heard from God where he arrives in the land of of Shechem, which means shoulder, in the plain of the lowlands of Morah, which means instruction, where Abraham had come was at the place that suggests vitality and vision. It was a place of vitality and vision. However, what Abraham needed after leaving that country as he comes and God says, this is the land, the problem was there were Canaanites in the land. I thought this would be an empty land, but this land is filled with cruel, corrupt, and callous people. 
Abraham and his company would have been very vulnerable, but it was in that moment, that moment where maybe Abraham had come to that place and began to question, did I hear from you? Did I leave everything for nothing? What is this? I I come here and there are these people here and am I going to be protected? I mean, I just have my family. What's happening? It's in that moment that God speaks to him and awakens him. And in response to that, Abraham builds an altar to the Lord. The Lord appeared to him. In Genesis 1, it says he spoke, but here it says he appeared to him. In fact, this begins the practice of Abraham's regular time of worship and building an altar to the Lord. Verse 8, from there he went on towards the hill of Bethel, and this is going to be important for later, pitched his tent, and with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Abraham built an altar and began a habit of calling on the name of the Lord. It was a transformative moment where, where Abraham had built a second altar to the Lord. He found himself there in response to what God is, is doing. And, and you know what? Oftentimes we, we don't seek God because, because on our own. We seek God because he first sought us. How many know that? We don't, we don't start out loving God. We love God because he first loved us. And you see, Abraham is responding to God. God is responding. And Abraham then responds to God. And his response to that awakening moment where God appeared to him and spoke to him was to build an altar to the Lord. Dick Foth said this, an altar is a serious sacred moment in time. It is a serious sacred place of transaction. Altars are about transactions. They're not just about hanging out. They're not just about, hey, why don't we swing by the altar? They're about doing business with God. An altar, in this case, is a memorial on Abram's part to the place God had led him and a memorial to the place God met him. It's a place to do business with God and it leaves an imprint on your soul. Altars leave an imprint. Those altar moments where you come and God meets with you, where you come and you give space and time and you gather, it gives you an opportunity for God to meet with you and it leaves an imprint on your soul. Also, this second altar for Abraham that he built, we're going to see, is a spiritual marker in his life. The altars that we have become spiritual markers in our lives. Let me illustrate. There's a book called Undaunted Courage, written by Stephen Ambrose. He tells the story of Meriwether Lewis, you know, of Lewis and Clark. And, and he says that, that, uh, that, that Lewis was appointed by Thomas Jefferson to find a waterway to the Pacific. He was given $2,500 appropriation from Congress, just $2,500 for the entire, for the entire uh, that was his budget for the entire expedition. Can you imagine that? In that day, 696 of that were for presents for the Native Americans that they would find. And, and he also had an appropriation to buy things like a boat and medicine and navigational instruments. But here's, here's what Ambrose points out in, in, in his book. He points out that there was a tremendous amount of money out of that $2,500 budget that was spent on ink, spent on ink. And you think a journey like this, you think of rifles or you think of dry goods or navigational equipment, 
you don't really think of ink as, as having much importance, but there was a lot of money that was spent on ink. In fact, Ambrose said that Lewis had plenty of ink left when he got home, enough for another voyage. That ink was critical for making the trip, or excuse me, wasn't critical for making the trip, but it was critical to make the expedition a success by recording its findings. In a sense, this is what Ambrose says, there is a difference between making a trip and marking your trail. Making a trip and marking your trail. And friends, that's the difference. Author Mark Batterson, in response to this, he said, I wonder if spiritually speaking, some of us are making a trip and not marking our trail. That may not seem like a big deal, he writes, but it is a big deal. Altars are the way that we mark our spiritual journey. They're the way we mark the trail that we have traveled. Those moments in our lives where God has spoken to us, those moments in our lives where we gave space and time and God began to move in a transformative way, those markers are things that we look back on. They are spiritual markers on our journey. Jeremiah 31, 21 says, set up a road sign. Set up road signs, put up guideposts, mark well the path from which you came. Altars are way, the way in which we mark the path. For Abraham, this altar becomes important because when we follow the, the life of Abraham and what takes place next in Genesis chapter 12 gives us an interesting twist. Verse 10 says, now there was a famine in the land. Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. Let me just talk a moment about this verse. So God calls Abraham to leave to a place he doesn't know. He shows up to a place where all of a sudden the land is marked by having the Canaanites in the land. He's brought his family. He has no other family around, no other inheritance, no other place. He's come to this place. He's living in a tent. He's here in this land. God says, this is the land. And then a few verses later, all of a sudden there's a famine in this land. How many have ever experienced that before? You take a step of faith to follow something that God has done only to find yourself going, God, are you in this? This seems kind of dry. What, what happened? Where, where's your provision at? What, what's, what's happening here? And so Abraham does probably what we do. His name's Abram in this point. He hasn't changed yet. But at this point, he does probably what we do. He says, you know what? I got to provide for my family. I don't understand this famine. I thought I was following the Lord. I thought I was here. I know that God spoke. I built an altar, but I, I, I don't know. There's a famine. I, I hear that there's food in Egypt. So you know what? We're just going to go down to Egypt. The problem was is that going down to Egypt, and when you read this, you do not see where Abraham ever called upon the name of the Lord, where he ever prayed, where he ever sought God's direction in this moment. He's moving in his flesh, and we see he's moving in his flesh because he's fearful, and that fear and that lack of peace that he has causes him to lie, half lie, right? Tell Sarah, Sarah, say you're my sister. Don't, don't say you're my, my spouse. Say you're my sister. They might kill you on behalf of me because you're beautiful. And so he lies to Pharaoh. The whole thing erupts. The whole thing, you know, gets exposed. The lie gets exposed. The whole thing happens, and Abraham is sent out of the land of Egypt to head back from which he came 
with his tail between his legs. And what is interesting is, is that in verse 13, it says this. So we had a 12, now switch over to 13. Abraham is back and it says, so Abraham went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had and Lot went with him. And Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. And from the Negev, he went from the place uh, until he came to Bethel. Didn't we read about that earlier? to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, where he had built an altar. There, Abram called on the name of the Lord. This second altar, he marked spiritual markers. He went back to the place where he was. This is the altar of return. Friends, there are times in our lives where we start out right, we have an awakening, we're moving out, and we have an altar experience, but then we start to move out in our own flesh. We start to move out in our own way. We start to do things under our own power, and sometimes we've got to say, I need to come back to the altar of return. I've got to come back to the place where I once was, where, where, where I had built an altar before. We need altars of return, places where, where we can return in repentance to the Lord when we find that we've gotten off track, when we find that we've drifted into trusting in our own ways. You see, Gideon came to this same place. He's an Israelite during the, the period of Israelite history known as the judges. And, and they were, Israel was far away from the Lord. Idol worship was prevalent, including in Gideon's own father's house. And, and the enemies had, had come, the armies were threatening, and Gideon was living fearful in the land and he was treading out he was treading out the grain in a wine press and all of a sudden God speaks to him God speaks to him God moves and speaks to him and in response to God speaking to him Gideon's first response is to build an altar Judges 6:24 then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace according to Strong's concordance The Hebrew word shalom refers to completeness, wholeness, health, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfectness, fullness, rest, harmony, the absence of agitation and discord where nothing is missing or broken. Where Gideon had fear, when God began to appear to him, all of a sudden that fear turned to peace. The Lord is peace. You need peace in your life. You've got to return to the Lord and build an altar and let God bring peace where there is fear. Let God bring peace where there is fear. However, look at what happens that same night the Lord said to Gideon, take a second bull from your father's herd and one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal, cut down the Asherah pole beside it. You see what's happening here? He builds an altar to the Lord, and the Lord says, listen, two altars can't be happening at the same time. You, you, you can't have an, an altar to Baal and Asherah and the other gods and an altar to me. You build an altar to me, it means you've got to tear down the altars to these other gods. You've got to, you've got to come back. You've got to come back and, and push back the darkness. Gideon destroyed the altars of falsehood and fear and instead in its place constructed an altar to God, an altar of faith. An altar of faith. The altar is the quintessential place where we receive God's grace to live victoriously in a fallen world. The altar is not just a good idea, friends. It's a spiritual necessity. It's a spiritual necessity. 
In a world where we have altars that are dedicated to selfishness and immorality, God once again has a clarion call like he did to Gideon where he says, church, it's time to return. It's time to return and build an altar to me. It's time to tear down the altars that you have built up of selfishness and immorality and the things of this world. And it is time to return to me. It is time to return to me. We need some Gideons of this generation who build altars of attentiveness and submission to hear the message and carry out God's mission in the earth. Acts 3.19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. The third altar is the altar of dreams. In verse 13, as Abraham and Lot returned to the land that was given to Abraham and his descendants by God, all of a sudden, they, they both have experienced blessing and growth financially. But that creates conflict in their family. All of a sudden, there's a conflict and disagreement that is happening, and Abraham doesn't want that disagreement. He wants peace. And so he says to Lot, you look out over the land, and if you go to the east, I'll go to the west. If you go to the north, I'll go to the south. And it says here that Lot, Lot chose the well-watered land of the plains near Sodom and Gomorrah. In that moment, I can see Abram perhaps feeling a sense of loss. Here I am, I'm giving Lot first choice, and what does he choose? Selfishly. He says, I'm choosing the well-watered lands. I'm choosing the best lands. And when he walks away, Abram is left standing there looking down, and rather than the well-watered lands, he is looking at dust. He's looking at dust. He, 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 he's, he, he's looking at that area and experiencing loss, and in verse 14, God appears to him again, and look what God says to him. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, lift up your eyes from where you are, Look to the north and the south, the east and the west. All the land that you see, I will give to your offspring, you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring. Now remember, where was his eyes? I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. If anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go and walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I'm giving it to you. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. There are moments in our life where we feel as if a sense of loss, like something, something that God promised us is gone. And we, we look around and we look back and we think, man, uh, all I have is dust. I mean, if you think about the journey, he left where he was, he came to the land of the Canaanites, then he went on his own, he was humiliated with the Egyptians, he comes back, now there's conflict between he and Lot. These are the kinds of things that are happening. It's just conflict after conflict after conflict. And then he says to Lot, listen, no big disagreement. You go one way, I'll go the other, but I'm going to let you choose first. And of course, Lot chooses what appears to be the absolute best. And Abram is standing there feeling this sense of loss, maybe feeling a little bit of guilt, a little bit of shame, like, God, I don't deserve your promise. Like, God, I've already messed up too many times, and there's just too much going on. I just don't even know if this is even going to happen. And he's looking down, and all he sees is dust. But God speaks to him. And God says, lift up your eyes. See that dust you've been looking at? No, no. It's time to look up, and it's time to look around. Because I'm renewing my promise for you, and I'm giving you a dream. You can walk this land. You can see what's happening. Because, friend, because, because, because Abram, I'm giving it to you. 
I'm giving it to you. If you can count all that dust you've been looking at, that's going to be the number of your descendants. I'm giving it to you. And Abram builds an altar to the Lord. This is the altar of dreams. Perhaps God has given you a dream. God has given you a vision. But you are feeling perhaps maybe like everything is lost. Like maybe something has happened along the way. And maybe maybe that dream is dead. Friends, I want to encourage you. The dream is not dead. You've got to get back to the altar and let God lift up your eyes off the dust off the dryness and on to what he has and what he has promised for you. What has he promised for you? For Abram in response in verse 18, Abram moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron where he built an altar to the Lord. That encounter with the Lord moved Abram to build an altar to God to solidify that he trusted and believed God's word. Friends, there's a place of altering and there's a price of altering. Altars have a price. God intends that something to be altered in us when we come to altars. And to receive the promise means that we have to make way for the transformation, which oftentimes means we've got to let go of something that we're hanging on to in order to embrace what God is wanting to give to us. If God has put something in your heart, an expectation or a promise, trust me, friends, those aspirations come from the Lord. The anticipation that that you have comes from the Lord. They come from the Lord. You anticipate that that God is doing something in you and wants to do something. There's a longing in your heart. I want to encourage you, build an altar to the Lord and let God solidify his promise and his dream in your heart. In your heart, Abram's got a dream. Number four is the altar of decision. The altar of decision. This takes place a little bit later on. Genesis chapter 22, we're going to fast forward in Abraham's life. And it says this, sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said to Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. If you know the story, and maybe you don't, Abram was longing for a child, and they were unable to have one, yet God had promised him descendants, and he didn't even have a a son. They had gone through uh, the, the mishap of, of trying to use an Egyptian servant by the name of Hagar as a surrogate, and that didn't work out. Instead, they had Ishmael, but God had not relinquished his promise. And when Abraham was 99 and Sarah was 89, God appeared and said, you're going to have a son. And at age 100, and Sarah, <laughs> at age 90, they had the promised son, Isaac. But now... God was saying, that son that you've waited for, that you've longed for, that you've hoped for, that I've given, I want you to go up on Mount Moriah and I want you to sacrifice that son. This is the altar of decision. The altar of decision. The altar where we find ourselves saying, the very thing that I know that God has promised, am I going to hang on to that? And is that more important than the very God who gave it? There are times in our lives where God brings us to an altar of decision where he tests what's in our heart. And, 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 and what we see is, is that, 
that Abraham, in response to God in, in this, he, he does something that I don't know, I don't know. I don't know if I, was, if I was in that place. But he decides he's obeying the Lord. And he takes his son, and he takes the, the wood, and he, and he takes the fire, and he takes all the stuff for the sacrifice, except there's no lamb for the sacrifice. There's, there's nothing. And, and Isaac even points that out. Where is the lamb? And Abraham in faith declares, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. And he goes all the way to the point when he reaches the place. Here's what Genesis 22, 9 and, 9 and 10. When they reached the place, God told him about, uh, told him about Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. And he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. Abraham went all the way to the point of binding his son, getting everything ready, preparing, binding his son on it. And raising the knife, he was, he was ready to do it. And at that point, God said, whoa, 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 whoa. The angel of the Lord stopped him. Don't, no, no. And God begins to speak to him at that place of decision. At the place of decision. And in verse 11, it records that God provided a ram in the thicket as a substitute. As a substitute sacrifice for Isaac. And what this really points to is Jesus ultimately becoming our substitute and our sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But friends, there are times in our lives where God brings us to the place, we call it the altar of decision, where we can either hang on to, hang on to those things that are so precious to us that they, they if not careful, they can become idols in our lives. They can become the things that we worship or the things that become more important. And we have to ask ourselves, God brings us, and he wants us to know, are you willing to let that go? Are you willing to give that up? Are you willing to sacrifice for me? Are you willing? Am I more important than anything? Friends, God brings us to the altar of decision. There are decisions in our lives. And, and the, pro, the thing is, is when we, when we are willing to say, okay, God, I'm at the altar of decision and I choose you. I choose you. I'm building an altar. I choose obedience. I choose you. Here I am. It's at that place at the altar that God reveals his character to us. He revealed his character in a way that Abraham would have never experienced before. And in verse 14, it says, so Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain, the Lord will be provided. Friends, sometimes we get to the place in the altar of decision where we've got to determine, am I going to trust that God is able to provide for whatever I need, or am I going to still hang on to those things that I think bring meaning in my life? I'm sure Isaac brought a whole lot of joy and meaning, but he said, God is more important, and God is able to provide the meaning in my life. In fact, Hebrews 11 says that he trusted that God would even be able to raise Isaac from the dead because he, he trusted in God's word. But he came to the place where he knew God in, in a different way, a way he would never have made if he hadn't come to the altar of decision. And some of you are at the altar of decision. You've got decisions in your life. You know what God is putting in your heart, what God is asking you to do 
what perhaps God is asking you to let go of, or maybe the steps that God is asking you to take, steps of obedience that he's leading you to take, and you've got to make a decision, am I going to take those steps, am I going to embrace what God in obedience, what God is calling me to, or am I going to continue to hang on to the things that God wants me to let go of? Some of you are in the place of the altar of decision. Friends, I want to encourage you, worship team, will you come? I want to encourage you to build altars to the Lord. Here's what I know. What it takes to build an altar are are rocks and broken things. They're not cut stones that are formed. They're not cut. They're, They're not shaped. They're not formed. They're not pretty. Altars were not built with pretty stones formed by the hands of man. In fact, Exodus 20, 25 says, if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it from hewn stones, for if you wield your tool on it, you will profane it. Geological application of this is very simple. There's volcanic explosions that take place in our lives. There are seismic events. There are grinding moments in our lives that that have a way of creating brokenness in our life. But here's where the altar is. The altar is when you take your broken things when you take the broken stones of your life, when you take the broken things in your life and you bring them to God and you lay them at the altar and you build an altar with the broken things, it's in that moment that God begins to bring life and peace and joy and provision where God begins to reveal himself and he does it when we bring him the broken things, the hard places. Oh, friends, you can drag your rocks behind you and be burdened by them. You can get frustrated lugging them around. You can get mad. You can throw them at somebody. The way you build an altar, though, is to take those hard things, to take those broken things, and to bring them to Jesus. And to say, Jesus, here are the broken things in my life. I'm going to build an altar to you. I'm going to build an altar. I'm going to build an altar. The price of altering is that you must pour out your life and say, Lord, here I come. I'm a living sacrifice. I present myself to you. I present myself to you. You see, at the altar, the price has been paid for your renewal. We've been at a distance from God, but the hope and the price has been paid by Jesus. But you and I have a decision to make. The decision to make, will we, will we come and make space and time to allow God to do a work in our lives? Some of you are at the place of awakening, and you need to respond this morning and build an altar to the Lord and say, God, I need you to appear to me again. God, I need you to appear to me again. Some of you have been away from the Lord, and it's time to return. It's time to return. You know you're not living the way you're supposed to. You know there are things in your life that are not pleasing to God. They are sin. And today you need to come and you need to repent and say, Jesus, here I come. I'm building an altar of return. I'm coming back to that place where you can bring transformation and healing in my life. Some of you are at that place where you're wondering if the dream has died, the dream that God has put in your heart. You need to come and spend a little time at the altar and ask God to reawaken the dream and the vision that he's put inside of you. And Some of you are at a place of the altar of decision 
where there are things of obedience and steps of obedience and faith that God wants you to take. And you've got a decision as to whether you're going to take them, as to whether you're going to let go of some things that God has been saying. I need you to surrender those things to me. Are you willing? You're at the altar of decision. If you want to grow in your walk with the Lord, you've got to have times where you have encounters with God, where you have moments when you encounter His presence, transformative moments where God meets you meets you and he meets us at the altar whether that's at the altar of a church like this one a sanctuary like this one or it's a time where you carve out and you get on your face before God and you build an altar to him friends we've got to get back to the altar we've got to get back to rhythmically coming and carving out space to spend time and let Jesus talk to us and let Jesus transform us and let God meet with us. And that means bringing ourselves and bringing our time and our calendars and our schedules and our busyness and saying, God, you're more important. I'm gonna build an altar to you. Let's bow our heads this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. But I want to encourage you and invite you today to respond. And let's fill the altar today and build an altar to the Lord. Maybe you need an awakening. Maybe the Lord is appearing. He's speaking to you. And you need to confirm that by coming and building an altar to the Lord. Maybe you need, if you're watching online, to get off your couch or your chair or whatever it is and begin to build an altar to the Lord. Maybe it's an altar of return and you need to return to Jesus. Maybe you need to to come and let Him reawaken the vision and speak to your heart. Maybe there's an altar of decision. There's somewhere where God is wanting you to let go of something, to embrace what what He has and to see His, His character. Whatever it is, I want to invite us today to get up out of our seats today and to begin to move, if God is moving on your heart in whatever way, to come and build an altar to the Lord, to take some time and build an altar to the Lord. Jesus, right now we just come and we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to be in this place. I pray, God, that you will begin to meet people right here. You will begin to meet people today. You'll begin to meet us at the altar. You'll begin to speak to us, oh God, and transform our hearts and our lives. God, we need a meeting with you. We need a meeting with you. We need a time, God, where we encounter you, where we encounter your presence, where we need your peace. And so, God, today, we open up our hearts, Lord, and we say, Lord, we want to respond to you. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Draw us, Holy Spirit. Move Move in us, Holy Spirit, and lead us, God, back to the altar. Lead us, God, and speak to us in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.